Two Girls, One Podcast is made possible by you, the listeners. And if you love the internet as much as we love talking about it, consider supporting us on Patreon. A lot of work and time go into research, recording, editing, and distributing this show. Contributing even one or two dollars per month is huge in offsetting our production costs. If you'd like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash 2G1P. We'll keep making the show no matter what. But your support allows us to make it even better. Thank you so much for listening. And and enjoy enjoy the the show. Everybody, I'm Jen. And I am Allison. Welcome to Two Girls, One, One Podcast. A very classical form of entertainment. Wait, um, wait, where, we're done here. And we're done. All right, <laughs> we are, uh, just to tell you really quickly, we are performers mm-hmm. who have a mm-hmm. live show where we use the internet as our script. Uh, we'll take blog posts and perform them like different characters, blah, blah, blah. This led us to... <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it led us to make a, blah, a blah, blah, web blogs. series. It's called Blog Logs. Blog Um, Made us a little web series where we interviewed people from different internet communities because we got really into these different uh, ways that people are identifying through the world of the internet. Uh, in that, we had real interviews with people from different communities and we decided to take those So that interviews. was called Two Girls, One Show, that yeah. web series. You can go watch it on hoohaha.com. That's right. And then we extracted those interviews and now we're making a podcast. Two Girls, One Podcast. New interviews on this podcast. So... so- we hope that wasn't too confusing, you know. but basically on this podcast, we interview people from the internet. Yeah. They're, They're just like, like us. us. That's right. So today, though, I do have to say this is not just like me because I don't have a lot of knowledge about this topic. But you don't you don't need to. OK. All right. But, and and our listeners I assume we'll also be equally divided. We're either they're super into it or not gonna at all. Be learning I feel on like the that's fly. true with this, maybe. All right. So this is today we're talking about Jediism. So I am a pretty big Star Wars fan. I mean, in the grand scheme of Star Wars fans, I mean, they're a hardcore Star Wars fans, so I'm not that. But I love Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Have you ever watched them? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've, seen, I've seen all the Star Wars. And okay, I okay. think all the new ones as well. Yeah. OK. So these are people who... Jediism is their religion. So apparently there was this big to-do where people started listing Jedi as their religion on the census. So um, sidebar, a lot of people, when we contact them about interviewing them on this podcast, they're really nervous that we're going to ridicule them, which I always think is so interesting because a lot of these communities, that is the coverage that they receive. That is not our intention and not interesting. And also Jedi... The Jedi principles are all about like justice and I know order it kind of goes against everything peace. That they stand for. Yeah. So it actually seems really, really practical as a religion, I have to say. Yes, agreed. You know what? I'm converting right now. I know it kind of sounds like Judaism, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, you know yeah. what? When I was Googling Jediism, it kept saying, Auto. Did you mean Judaism? And I was like, No, bitch, I mean <laughs> I Jediism. I type that word for the life of me. It's two the two, two eyes, I thing. Two eyes. Yeah, yeah, two yeah, I think two eyes. killer. Uh yeah. Yeah, so we're talking to... Somebody who runs, it's the California State Chapter of the Jediists. Oh, I should join. 
Yes, you should join. Yeah. Good point. I didn't even think about that. California is just glorious. I know. And they have a lot of live events. There are apparently even knighthoods. Um, and there's been a document. what? They're knighthoods. Where we- you get knighted as a Jedi? I believe. I guess that makes We're gonna sense. We're going to find out more about it. Yeah. Um, there's a documentary out there about it, American Jedi. Um, there are some articles, but... Now we have this podcast. So we're excited. Her name is Katie. She's going to be with us shortly. You know why else I'm excited about this, in addition to being a Star Wars fan? This is actually a great example of what this podcast is about, yes. which is like, I don't know. I mean, it's a, the, Jediism is a real world thing, but that the internet allows these phenomena to really like find each other and become larger movements. Because apparently writing Jedi as religion as your religion on the census began with like an email campaign to do to do so yeah yeah i did not read that but yeah i think don't quote me on that but anyway yeah so uh there are 70 oh but i was gonna say but it's a but it's not a fetish thing we're actually doing an internet community today that's not a fetish although i'm sure there's a sexy side because rule 34 there's got to be a sexy side Mm -hmm. but i'm glad you brought this up because i was sitting here thinking Something feels different. I I feel different about this episode. Yeah, yeah. and it's because it's it's not a fetish. Yeah, it's a yeah. it's a welcome, internet guys. community <laughs> that is not a fetish, or that's not the primary thing. Yeah, but yeah, I'm sure there's a fetish side. Yeah, we'll find it. Uh, I just wanted to find Rule Thirty Four for any listeners who are not familiar. If it exists, there is porn of it on the internet. That's right. Well, that wraps up that show. <laughs> um, I also wanted to let you guys know Allie can make a very lovely Chewbacca sound. So we might have told you guys this before but we performed a Star Wars oh, yes. piece live on stage. Fan fiction. Fan fiction. It was an M-Preg fan fiction Which, piece. Which if you're not familiar that's an earlier episode. Earlier M-preg, episode about male, male pregnancy. pregnancy. So in this fan fiction piece uh, Han Solo has impregnated Luke Skywalker they meet up at a party. They're not on good terms. And it's a reconciliation. Well, it's unclear if they're on good terms or not. It's sort of how you interpret the text. I guess and we made it kind of like there was some sort of tension, I think, the way that we performed it. One but time we did it. One time we did it the opposite way. Remember? Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. So I played Han Solo, of course. And Ali, of course, played Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Actually, I played multiple characters in it. Oh, you did. Tell me more. You did I play Chewbacca. Chewbacca. You ha- we have a full Chewbacca costume. Oh, I have a full tearaway Chewbacca suit. Tearaway because she ripped it off and we did a sexy dance, of course. like, actually, (laughs) I want to do that again. It was so much fun. Because it it wasn't, for all of you picturing this, it wasn't like a Chewbacca onesie. It was like a full... Fursuit. um, Yeah, I mean, it was like a hardcore... Hey, Did like, you leave yeah, on the it was head like a full, when you danced? I rip off the head first and then it splits completely down the back and I just pulled it and the whole thing comes off and I was wearing like booty shorts and then we, <laughs> we, danced. we danced to S, 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 S. Who wrote that song? Oh, I think we danced to like a hard I don't know, Big Sean or I don't know. Look it up. The S, 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 song. from the like huge, enormous Chewbacca suit. And then tearing it off was so fun. And in one version of this sketch, you gave birth to Ray. And Kylo Ren. And Kylo Ren, (laughs) which were like these little stuffed animals that we had. Right. Oh, guys, it was glorious. Theorizing that they were brother and sister. Yeah. You did. You played a really good Luke Skywalker. Thank you so much. Do you know what? Was it you that said I looked like my aunt? (laughs) You did look a little bit like your aunt with that wig on. (laughs) (laughs) I looked like my lesbian, which is the name for my lesbian aunt because I was wearing a Luke Skywalker wig and I was pregnant. Maybe Janice is a Jedi. (laughs) 
Janice is totes a Jedi. Yeah, she is totes a Jedi. I just looked up who wrote that song. S S S S S. Yeah, it's uh, it's John Denver. Oh, I was so far. I don't even get that joke. Little John Denver. <laughs> I feel like if John not, Denver was a rapper, he'd maybe Little John Denver, Little Johnny. <laughs> Guys, I don't know who John Denver is. He's a folk singer from He's the sixties. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, I'm not getting this joke. I'm out of the loop over here in the corner. I gotta go Google that later. Google it. Ah, no, but um, I am forgetting. It was. It's like a hardcore song. Anywho, that was fun. And Prague. Uh, well, a lot of people. Another referencing another episode. Shipping when people. Imagine that two characters in a relationship, a lot of people ship Luke and Han, which is very amusing. They're both highly attractive. I can see why people would do that. Yeah, totally. And very different. They're like just opposite personalities, but both very brave. Yeah, yeah. go on. I'm into it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm shipping them right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so Jedi oh, has some, yeah. I do have something uh, to yeah, say, yeah. though. Okay, great. Do you know that? Uh, <laughs> say what you have to say. Do you, do, have you ever heard that notoriously um, Harrison Ford is a terrible kisser? That all of what? the leading ladies who have kissed oh, him in films have familiar. said this? Interesting, yeah. I just read this the other yeah, day. Is that, a, is that a rumor or is that I don't like know. It's confirmed. probably some hearsay. Also, but. let's discuss what exactly makes someone a terrible kisser where they wouldn't learn. Also, like on you set, you're not really about, kissing, kissing. Mm-hmm. Well, in film, I guess you are. Oh, I guess you are in film. On stage, you're going to look kind of realistic. Yeah. yeah. So what makes him a terrible kisser? Why is that kisser? different? Why is it different on stage? On stage, you can really fake it. Like you on can, stage, you can just like whatever. Yeah, but, but in film, film, the camera's right there. You gotta right, go right. in for it. Yeah. But what do you mean by fake it? Like uh, I still... feel like you like see tongue sometimes on film. Yeah, exactly. Right. Whereas like, you would never do that on stage. You would never. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. you slip someone the tongue on stage, they'd be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> they would punch you. So never do that. <laughs> um, but even if it's like a really passionate even moment, even if it's passionate, yeah, you would never slip the tongue. There's just like no need. Nobody can see that kind of detail. There's no need. Yeah, but. You make it look passionate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ferris's film would be much more realistic. Okay. Yeah, yeah but you're right. So how does Harrison Ford not know that? Like, what's he doing that's so egregious? I haven't had very many bad kissers in my Neither have I. Oh, <laughs> shit. She just remembered when her eyes. There was this ding, one guy where, like, the date ding, was going totally ding. fine, and then we made out, and it was, like, it was horrible. Like, I was Why? like, how... It was like he was choking me with his tongue. It was the worst thing ever. <gasps> I was like, how do you think that this is proper? And how... how has no one told this is crazy like I thought him. I thought he was eating my face off like I thought I was gonna have no face and it was astounding to me in our 30s that anyone thought that that was okay wow was he very it drunk was horrible. maybe it was, it was horrible yeah. but but I think those experiences in your 30s are rare like most people have like I figured it out it's not that it complicated yeah yeah um, so what did Harrison Ford do I don't know I, I don't know I wonder if he doesn't intentionally he's like well I'm Harrison Ford I, I'm gonna fuck with them now yeah I'm gonna kiss him he like I want. licks gonna their like faces some Harrison Ford. Yeah. I can imagine he's just kind of stiff. You know what I mean? Like, he just doesn't, like, move around that much. You think? He's, like, a just like a tree. Isn't he married to Callista Flockhart? Yeah. How does she Allie feel McBeal. about it? Let's ask her. Okay, if you guys we'll know, her. tweet at us. If you know why he's a bad kisser, just <laughs> tweet it. Get Allie McBeal on the show. Yeah, I know. We're like, blah, 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 your career. Let's get down to business. How's Harrison Ford? <laughs> as oh, you're a leading man. That'd be so upsetting as a typical woman thing. I know, that well, we don't be. want to talk about your career. We want right. to talk about your role as a wife and mother. And then, but let's talk about your husband now. Harrison Ford's wife. We'll never say her name. Just well, kidding. speaking of Harrison Ford and Han Solo, <laughs> yeah, it's trivia time, guys. Oh, that's what? Okay, I guess the trivia is about him. Oh yeah. Also, the new movie Solo. Solo. I yeah. can't help but think YOLO. I don't know, guys. <laughs> it's just me. <laughs> that's fair. 
It doesn't look that good. Look, I, I haven't, haven't seen, seen it. it. No one's seen it yet, no, right? No, I have not. Um, I just feel like it's it feels like it's trying too hard. It's that girl on Instagram where you're like, you're not just thirsty, you're dehydrated. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Are you talking stop. about me? <laughs> I love the idea of a Han Solo movie. What? It had issues in production and reviews, I think, have been mixed and it's doing poorly at the box office. However, a colleague of mine who who quite literally wrote the book about on Star Wars, like he wrote a definitive uh, book about how Star Wars, it's how Star Wars conquered the universe. Hey, Chris Taylor. What? Yo, Chris. It's like the business, like how Star Wars became this monster business and all the things that happened and the, the creative choices and the business choices. Gotcha. And he, he tweeted the only review I need of like, this is the ultimate blue collar Star Wars movie. And, I, and he loved it. And I saw that tweet. and I'm like, yep, Chris says it's good. I'm in. And that, so that's, what do you mean it's a blue collar Star Wars? Meaning it, I, I assume Han Solo, the character, came from like this place uh, of nothing. It's not about like royalty and stuff. Yeah, it's not the Skywalker, I mean, not the Skywalker was royalty, but it's not that lineage. It's just this guy who was kicking around the galaxy and be, made a name for himself because he's just baller or something. I don't that know. That sounds excellent. Well, because right? he's, um, he's a smuggler. Yeah, yeah. Or, and how he became a smuggler and a criminal. Yeah. It's just like the, it's the seedy underworld. Like... Star Wars is, oh, to me, is cool and fun when it's epic, but then you go into the cantina and it's like gross and dirty. Right. That's the Star Wars which I is, like. Which are like yeah. the best. Exactly. The gross yeah. aliens and the smugglers. That's cool Star Wars. And an entire movie about cool underbelly yeah, Star Wars. Yeah, that's true. I'm in. Yeah. Okay. Whether or not it's good, we TBD, but like I'm right. into that. All right, I have a question. Right. Do you know if they use like um, puppets or CGI? I I don't, but probably both. But like these because I newer, don't like the CGI. Exactly. I love in the original Star Wars how it was like real. Like they had to make all totally. of those things. The newer movies seem to be leaning more heavily on practical effects, yeah. which is why the fans right, are generally the liking mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. But so Solo does that as well. I think so. Oh, now I kind of want to go see um, it. Yeah. Uh, uh-uh. Rogue One is really the best Star Wars movie that I've seen in a long time. Did you see Rogue One? Yeah, a lot of people say that, but I loved Force Awakens, and I know it's derivative, blah blah blah. But I fucking loved it and there were so many cliffhangers and mysteries none of which were wrapped up in the following movie right but yeah rogue one was cool as like how it pieced into episode four but also ended a with really Carrie Fisher. good really well constructed movie i thought with a great protagonist and then without giving away spoilers like it wraps up in a way that is different or darker than your typical heroic yeah. star wars movie yeah, yeah, yeah. so that i loved yeah no that was definitely cool isn't there a star wars theme park opening up in disney world yeah yeah what? mixed feelings in the fandom about the disney ownership because on one hand it's like disney can just throw cash at star wars and make a ton of movies and that's cool to have more media but at the same time it's like are we oversaturating the world of, with star wars and i think there's a lot of discussion of like solo has mixed reviews so did we really need it are we just like overdoing it with star yeah, is it, I it has like it that's lose a longer it? a larger conversation of just like all movies and franchises. Right, mm-hmm. right. I love Star Wars. I'm more annoyed, like, how many fucking Spider-Man movies do we need? There have been, like, right. seven since I was a kid. Like, right. that's so unnecessary. Because it's not even a new story. <laughs> I haven't seen them, so I but don't But I also like the idea of expanding on this world. Because it's such an in-depth world yep. that is created. So, or universe. Galaxy. So... <laughs> So that's cool. It also just made me think that, you know, when like basic bitches are like, I just feel like the universe is telling me. (laughs) I feel like I'm going to from now on be like, I just feel like the force. Oh, you should. 
And it is telling you. It's telling you. Well, that's what is our it? episode is about. Yeah, about we're talking yeah. to talk some Jedis. We're talking to some real life Jedis. Jedis. You know who are my favorite, though? The Ewoks. Mm. I know. They're lovable. They're, so they're very cute. They're there when you need them. <laughs> that's my Ewok. Not today's trivia, but factoid. Yes. The word Ewok was never even said in Return of the Jedi. It's, it's in the not. script, but they never met. You just saw that movie in 82, 83. You would have no you idea. You would not know what an Ewok was. You would just know that these cute little teddy bears were there. And only later when action figures came out was like, oh, Ewoks, you know. Wow. Yeah. Will you make the Some Chewbacca noise again? <laughs> awesome. Thank right. you. Today's actual trivia is also about Return of the Jedi. Did you know, speaking of Han Solo, that in the original outline for Return of the Jedi, Han Solo dies hmm. while raiding the Imperial base. I assume that you guys have all seen it, that yes. they're trying to shut down the shield generator on Endor, where the Ewoks live, and Han goes in with a crew while the, the ships are fighting. Wait, and in the original script, he dies? He dies. They plan Han for Han Solo dies? to die in Return of the Jedi. Wow, that would have been different. Different. So... Obviously, what would have happened to Harrison Ford's career? Would it be the same? Would it be different? I don't know. Exactly. Okay. So obviously that did not happen. Spoiler alert: that did not happen. Harrison Ford is alive and well. Although he has gotten in some plane crashes. Oh, that's oh, right. Oh yeah, that's right. He has. Right, yeah. Right. Because he's a pilot, right? Because he's a bad yeah. kisser. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That'll cause some crashes. George Lucas changed that plot point at the last minute. Why did he change it? At the last minute, as in. Like how last minute? Uh, I don't think it was on the set. I, okay. my, my read is that they had an outline. Here's how the story is going to go. Pre-production. We're planning it all out. Han Solo dies. That's the story. And then something happened where they were like, mm, no, we're going to do it this way instead. That's and interesting on so many levels. Like as an actor, you'd be like, fuck, well, I guess I'm not going to, I don't have work lined up. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like, no, you're not done. You're like, yes. You're like, I'm part of the franchise. Okay. Well, do we have multiple choice for of this? Of course. Man? Okay. Thank you. Of course. The union thanks you. Here are your choices. A. Uh, The question is, why did George Lucas change this? A, he didn't want any main characters to die because he thought it would hurt toy sales. Merchandising was a big thing. still is, obviously, in Star Wars. B, George Lucas always planned to make the spin-off movies with non-Skywalker characters after the original story. So more movies were planned, and he decided, no, we want him to do a Han Solo movie someday, and he didn't want uh, Solo to die. C, Harrison Ford himself persuaded Lucas not to kill Han at the last minute, like leading up to the script. He said, don't do it for some reason. It feels like C, because Harrison Ford is like pushy, except that Harrison Ford spent a lot of time in interviews bashing Star Wars. Oh, is Is that that true? Yeah. But when? Back in the day or or later? Okay. But but a lot of that I think was after the Star Wars franchise, he was getting whiny and bitter that like everyone thought he was wanted to yeah. yeah or like typecasting maybe no i mean clearly he had a great career after that but it's i think i, can't break out of this I think character. he got too big for star wars you know what i mean and uh, then he would like bash it and stuff <laughs> kind of sucks yeah so i don't know he will he... always be remembered for indiana jones though i feel like yeah i feel is... like he's done so much he's though. done so much i find mark hamill interesting because literally not that he's done nothing. i he's do done, too he's done a lot of things but he fully embraces the fandom of like I am Luke Skywalker. That is all I am known for. People love me, and that's just who I am. He doesn't yeah. get whiny about it, and yeah. I love that. There are so many things that about, I fell down a wormhole when the movies all, you know, kind of got rebooted or came back. I fell down a wormhole of what they're all up to now. There are so many things that, cool about, that are cool about him because people think that he, like, disappeared and had this shitty-ass career just because he didn't become Harrison Ford, but he has an awesome career. He's, like, no, the voice of the animation, Joker. animation, yeah. He's done a ton of stuff, yep. and I thought he was 
great in the new movies. Agreed. Like a fabulous actor. I was like, Agreed. You grew into a man. But he <laughs> looks so different. When he first appeared, he I was like, You look nothing like yeah. my memory. Well, it's how long crazy. had it been? I thought he was great. And even yeah. in this last movie, I don't want to spoil it, but the end scene yeah. where, oh my God, he's Agreed. so good. Agreed. Ah. I feel I think he's like an awesome career and seems nice, like a nice guy. I think the answer is C. As oh right, we were doing yeah, trivia. Yeah, <laughs> I know you said that's what you thought it should be. I, I think it might actually be that. It sounds like C because Harrison Ford is like so pushy, but then he also is like a little bitch about Star Wars. But I think the little bitchness pushy came little later. Bitch. I'm so fascinated by this perception of him being pushy. I know very little about Harrison Ford as a person, but that uh-huh. that you seem to think like he's an asshole, and um, I'm curious about that because he seems well, likable to me. I don't me. know him at all, obviously, <laughs> but there's a lot of coverage about him like kind of being a dick. Uh-huh. Yeah. But uh, who, coverage is ridiculous. Like, he could be such a nice right. guy. That's a media narrative right. of, like, and, like, stars are assholes. I could, yeah. I also, who knows what I would be like. I hope this comes to pass. Where you become so famous for this one thing, and every time you walk out, everyone's like, hot soul, and you're like, oh, my fucking right. God. You know that. what I mean? I get that. Okay, what were the other options? Uh, <laughs> toys. A, George Lucas did thought it toys. would hurt toy sales to kill a main character, and B, George Lucas always planned to make always spin-off movies. Spin-offs. You know, I'm going to go with toys. It's kind of dumb, but I'm going to go with toys. I feel like you're right. I'm going to go with C, Harrison <laughs> Ford's being pushy. Okay, yeah. A and C. We will find out the correct answer after the break. Well, hey there, friends. It's your friendly neighborhood producer, Matt Silverman, here, breaking into the show to tell you about another show. Yes, there are other podcasts besides this podcast. It's hard to believe, but it's true. I want to tell you about another podcast, a friend of our show, another fantastic podcast in the Podglomerate Network. It's called Plus 7 Intelligence, and it's about one of my favorite topics video games but it's not your average video game podcast it's not just hey here's video game news here's what we're playing although we we enjoy those too plus seven intelligence is about how video games affect people if i was making a show about video games i would make this show but i don't have to because my friend chess makes the show already he's a really smart guy and he talks to really smart people about why games matter If you listen to our episode about the gaming archaeologist who is uncovering human civilizations in No Man's Sky, we talked to him. Chess already had him on the show. That was old news when we did our show. He already got him. Chess did a show about games as they relate to mental health. I really enjoyed that episode because I find playing video games a very calming and meditative practice. He talks about design mechanics for meaningful games. That's very important to me as well. I love that episode. I'm here to tell you that there is a brand new season of Plus 7 Intelligence coming out June 11th. By the time you hear my voice, that date probably already happened. It's here, season two of Plus 7 Intelligence, and you're gonna wanna check it out. It's a podcast about how video games impact people and how the games that we play influence our lives in surprising way. Season two starts off talking to medical doctors, psychologists, and game designers in an entire series about how games impact mental health, for good or ill. They're gonna talk about gaming addiction and also games as therapy. I find that really fascinating, and I know a lot of you guys love games. We talk about it in our Discord chat. You're gonna love Plus 7. Later on in the season, Plus 7 is gonna tackle how games are revolutionizing education. There's a lot of talk about the gamification of incentivizing studying and education, and are games actually educational? Do they build good habits? 
It's a whole discussion and Plus Seven's gonna break it down. I'm very excited to listen to season two of this show. I recommend the show, not just because we're all on the same network, but because it's genuinely a great show. And if you enjoy 2G1P, you're gonna love Plus Seven. Check it out. Listen to Plus Seven Intelligence on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. come to your place when you're about to have sex. I'll be in your kitchen making donkey with crab meat, which is my favorite dish. When you're done having sex, I'll let myself out and you can enjoy this meal at your leisure. You must provide the crab. I'll do the rest, serious people only. Wow, all right. Um, that ad really, really resonated with me. Gnocchi? Yeah, why? Well, the poster's from Baltimore and so am I. Oh, and I understand... Uh... Um, the need for crab meat crab meat after yeah sex. crab meat is a major thing i think he's posting it just to get free crab meat you are a crab freak because <laughs> i don't have crabs just to be clear we discussed this on a previous no, episode but i mean SPD i think you, you do like crabs more than the average human because you're from baltimore well you're ta- you're thinking about when you that experience came to baltimore and so i was like we have to have crabs like that's what you do when people come and everyone was horrified and we were horrified because of the way it happens right. but i understand like i've seen it other places it wasn't just you you roll out the paper sheet on the table well, we should explain our our um ensemble from blogologs we all all came down to baltimore and i was like obviously we're gonna have crabs yeah yeah so you had like a bucket of crabs Mm -hmm. you roll out the paper on the table Mm -hmm. you dump the bucket and they're like whole crabs maybe they're still moving Uh, these are live no they're not (laughs) maybe they're still moving they're they've been cooked and covered in old bay they've been covered in old bay and you just pass around mallets and like little metal devices to eat them and then you you don't have plates. You just eat, you feast on the crabs yeah. on the table. So here's the thing. They're yeah. delicious. And uh, Maryland blue crabs are kind of small. So people really might eat anywhere from four to ten, you know. And uh, so uh, we had like eight people there. So I ordered, I don't know, <laughs> a crabs. lot of crabs. There were a lot of crabs. And everyone looked and was like, I'm good. Nobody, only Andrew. And yeah, <laughs> Andrew nobody would it. eat them. Yeah. And then we, I was like, guys, I mean, all this leftover crab. But when you guys came down, it was the first time I sort of saw it with outside eyes. Yes. And the table is littered with bodies that you're just supposed to pry apart and beat with a hammer and, and mangle till it's a pile of shells. So I kind of saw it with outside eyes and I was like, oh, this looks pretty barbaric and weird, doesn't it? And now I felt I felt like that weirdo outsider from another country. You know what I mean? But uh, but they're delicious. But, uh, you know, when you're raised like that, you don't think about it. You're no, just like, of oh, course. Right. Yeah, we all have stuff like that. It's less about the yeah. grossness for me and more about like, they're not delicious enough to warrant all that fucking work. Right, There's no, it's just work to get a little bit out. A yeah. little tiny well, bit. And it's like, is this good? I think it yeah. tastes okay, but I just spent an hour cracking open a lobster tail. Right. Yeah, it's an act. No, it's not a lobster. No. Uh, it's, <laughs> get it straight. It's an activity. <laughs> like we always say, like you don't get full off crabs. Sure. God, this always sounds dirty. We always you say. Know, there's, all these t- like there's all these t-shirts. Yeah, no, we always say that. Yeah. There's all these t-shirts in Maryland. So you got crabs? Question mark. Right. <laughs> uh, but 
no i don't um uh no but it's totally normal when you grow up like that and yeah yeah no so you you don't get full from crabs you eat for hours just pulling apart these crabs like it's an activity and then you have actual food after (laughs) it sounds like a good post-coital activity i'm just gonna say (laughs) because you don't want to get full no but it's a gnocchi so it's very very filling that's true isn't gnocchi like it's potato based i don't know it's whatever it's filling i don't really like gnocchi but i love crab meat but post maybe post you you want to eat a lot I don't know, is guys. That, is that a personal <laughs> preference that you have? Is that your? I'm just, no, that I'm, your, de- I'm guessing. What's your postcoital routine? <laughs> <laughs> well, women, you should always pee. <laughs> is that true? I don't know. People say that. I heard that was like a myth because you know it's different holes, right? It's different. What? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, so, but it's like wash. I don't I know. I think it's a myth. It's a myth. It's probably a myth. But tweet us at Ali yeah, Gold. Yeah, Junebugger. We'd love to know. What's so. your postcoital routine? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say, tweet us if we should be peeing. Yeah. Is it time for the answer? Well, speaking of Star Wars. Oh, man. Wait, Not even a real transition. All right. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. And how forced it was, because Star Wars is all about the force. Boom. Right, boom. There we go. That That's was, I, I set up the ball, Ali Oop, and then Jen just. Slammed it into. Was the I the alley oop? She ooped. No, alley no, oop. No, I, I, I'm the alley oop. <laughs> you you yell at me for dad jokes. <laughs> well, when I make them, they're just people jokes. <laughs> Today's trivia was: Why did Han Solo live in Return of the Jedi? In the original treatment for the film, he was scheduled to die. <laughs> we were all scheduled to die. Cool. <laughs> and uh, George Lucas called an audible uh, before production. Why did that happen? Uh, uh, Jen, you said Harrison Ford schmoozed his way out of it. Yeah, you said C. C. That Harrison Ford talked talked George Lucas into keeping him. Yeah. Which sounds like a very Harrison Ford thing to do, but we've already Almost discussed too this. Harrison okay. Fordy. <laughs> okay. And Ali, you said toys. The you answer, answer is always a, toys. <laughs> that uh, George Lucas was worried about hurting toy sales, so he didn't want to kill off a main character. Yeah, which also doesn't really make sense, but okay, yeah. The correct answer is toys. <gasps> answer A. Boom! Ooh. Ali oh, ooped man. it. Nice. I'm nailing trivia. You're nailing trivia, girl. You are a trivia queen. And yet, we did not get the Trader Joe's gift card. I think I, I do better when the answers are, are sentences. <laughs> cool. Hey, Matt, I have an idea. Yes. Why don't we have Trader's gift, Trader Joe's gift cards on the line? Like for accumulated trivia. I mean, so far Ali's winning, so we'd have to start at zero. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like if we get enough right, uh, maybe collectively in the next how many episodes? I uh, don't know. I just don't know why we didn't get a consolation prize. <laughs> I like this thinking. You you want there to be stakes, prizes, and we I need always yeah, the viewers need always other than listeners. Yeah, I love a good steak. All right, I'll consider it. Mm-hmm. Nokey steak. I'll get I'll get back to you in three to four weeks. Uh, <laughs> the speed at which unions Great. and all that jazz rolls. Okay. Exactly. All right. I think we have an interview. Do we? Yeah. All right. Great. It is time for our interview with Katie Mock. She is the organizer of the website and group California Jedi. Welcome, Katie. Hi. Hello. Katie, can you tell us in your own words, what is Jediism? Jediism or Jedi realism or being a Jedi or however people refer to it um, is basically a real-life philosophical path based on the idea or the template of the Jedi in the fictional Star Wars universe. Um, So, you know, I'm 
not, you know, trying to move things with my mind or trying to build a real lightsaber. You or, should. You, know. you should. I mean, <laughs> I'm tr- I'm trying every day. That would be absolutely delightful. But uh, unfortunately, those things are not within my current abilities. Um, <laughs> but instead, uh, you know, focusing on mental wellness and physical wellness and how I better myself so I can better the world around me. That's lovely. Yeah, how I think did, so. <laughs> how did you get into this aside from obviously star wars is awesome um star wars is awesome is definitely the starting point for most people in the community um i was let's see i was 14 or 15 um and revenge of the sith had just come out the third prequel um and i was you know very moved by it but also i was having a really hard time in my existence um high school in general is exhausting and awful. I'd been having a lot of trouble with friends and stressed out and unhappy, basically, um, to the point that I was like, I need to figure out a way to get a handle on my emotions. Um, That's smart. I had I had a friend who did this Jedi thing and was like, hey, you might want to check it out. So I did. Um, and it was a whole community full of people who like listened to me and were like, that sounds like that sucks. And we have tools to help. I learned to meditate when I was like 14 because of Jedi stuff. Um, and it was pretty transformative, actually. Wow. And was this was this community online in real life or both? Online at this point. Um, it was just forums. I started at a place, a forum called the Force Academy, which has gone through lots of iterations, but it's still around, actually. But I started there and it was just a forum. Like, you know, I'd come home every day and like, you know, type out long answers to weird philosophical questions and get into, you know, at least for what I thought at the time, it's like a 15-year-old, very high-minded debates on the internet. Um, I would love to see those transcripts. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think they exist anymore. The website's crashed so many times, which I'm actually sad about. I would love to go back and see where I was then versus where I am now. I know. It's a digital diary. So um, are there ways that that meditation practice differed from traditional practices based on Jediism? Yes and no. Um, Sometimes, like, it's, you know, that Jedi is sort of a made-up spirituality slash philosophical path so it pulls heavily from a lot of real life uh, scenarios so some of it was buddhist meditation some of it um involved mantras but uh probably the one that is most jedi is using the jedi code to meditate wait i feel like i should know this i, I feel like Star i should Wars, know it but too. what's the jedi code um it's so it's a, a piece of writing that oh shoot where did it come from uh, my friend Obi's gonna look sideways at me for not knowing this he's a big jedi history buff Um, But basically, it's a piece of writing that came from one of the novels, um, the Star Wars novels that like supposedly was like the code the Jedi lived their lives by. Um, And it's become sort of, you know, for lack of a better word, the like main text for the Jedi community. So it's uh, there is no emotion. There is peace. There is no ignorance. There is knowledge. There is no passion. There is serenity. There is no chaos. There is harmony. And there is no death. There is the force. Oh my god, that's lovely. I got a little tingle. That's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. It's like, it kind of makes sense, right? Because the people who wrote that were writers. You know what I mean? They really thought about those words sure. and what those words mean. Like, yeah. I know a lot of people make fun of the concept of living as a Jedi in real life, but it actually, like, makes perhaps more sense than a lot of the other religions. <laughs> like, like I, so anyway. I mean, that's definitely how I think. You know, I, I was raised Catholic and, and then I found out that the Catholic Church is not the kind of 
happy liberal place I wanted it to be. And in a true middle school fashion, immediately started experimenting with neo-paganism. Um, <laughs> I remember those um, days. <laughs> I, I feel like 90% of my female friends who were raised religious went through that phase of I'm a be a witch in middle school. Um, but uh, but uh, yeah, no, it, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense to me. And it is a way that I can collect things from different modalities, you know, in an obviously respectful way, not an appropriative way. Um that that resonate with me and mean something to me and sort of unite them under this sort of archetype that that works for me and has sort of always worked for me as a Star Wars fan. And you said this initial forum that you found was called the Force Academy? Yeah, I started there. There's been a jillion, um, a jillion, jillion sites. Um, so they're still active and so are a couple others. Um, but largely, especially since college, I've mostly moved my training offline because I think it's better. I mean, personally, I think you grow better um, when you're training, like in real life with real people. So, well, uh, now I have two questions. I know. I, I want to so know questions. about the real life training. <laughs> yeah. Let's get there. But before then, what are, what are the main online hubs that people still use for this? Uh, the current ones, Force Academy is still around. Temple of the Jedi Order is probably the largest. Um, they are uh, Jediist specifically, um, and they have they're actually a, a 401c3 and of clergy um, and can marry people and that kind of thing. Oh, wait, a 501c3 is nonprofit. 401c3, is that religious? 501c3. That's a religious nonprofit. I just misspoke. The, uh, okay. okay. And what, what happens on these sites generally? A lot of chatting, I assume, but what, what else is there? So it's a, it's a mixture of stuff. So obviously there are farms where people can sort of debate any sort of topic. Um, ideally, there are moderators. Sometimes that goes well. Sometimes it doesn't, like any online community, I think. Um, but, uh, and then, um, through both sites, but especially Temple of the Jedi Order, there's an apprenticeship system. Um, so there are knights and, and Padawans. Um, so like if you go through, you go through their initiate training and you like make a commitment that you're going to start studying to be a knight. And then you study under a current knight. Um, and you do a mixture of pre-arranged like training and assignments that are standard. And then whatever else your sort of Jedi master gives you to do. Um, and once you've completed that and you pass your trials, which is usually like an extensive sort of review slash interview, like usually takes a couple hours um, and you pass, then you too can sort of help apprentices go through the same system. What are some of the tasks? Um, depends on the site, but uh, like I know when I was doing my training, um, I did mine independently through like offline uh, through Chicago Jedi um, with a uh, uh, Jedi uh, named Gabriel or Angelus Kalen is his online name. He had me do a shit ton of, sorry, a ton of writing assignments. You're, you're allowed to fucking on curse podcast. on this fucking yeah, podcast. I, you know, I was having a conversation earlier at work about, you know, whether or not swearing is professional and so it's on the brain. Uh, but yeah, but he gave me a ton of writing assignments mostly. Um, stuff about philosophy. We, you know, read Plato's Cave and talked about the nature of reality from like, you know, that kind of thing all the way to, you know, who are you spiritually? Who are you trying to be? How are you going to get there? I had to do community service um, and log my hours. Um, I had to do like physical exercise and also log my hours. I had to read a lot of stuff. Um, so it was a pretty holistic experience, actually. This sounds great. It does. I'm I think we should board. all go through this. Yeah, I want to do it. What? Yeah. Let's move to the offline components. You said now you do more of the work uh, in real life, right? Yes. In college, I went to University of Chicago, um, and I found out that there was a group doing Jedi stuff offline, Chicago Jedi, um, nearby. 
And so I went and checked them out and they were a lovely bunch of folks. Um, and I went to the summer right, right after I graduated, I went to my first Jedi gathering. There's usually more than one, but there's usually like one national big one um, where Jedi from all over the country and sometimes the, like other countries as well um, come together. How and many people attend? So the national one, usually it's about 30. Yeah, usually about 30, 35 people, um, mostly from the U.S., okay. but occasionally outside. And we all train together for like a long weekend. And, and so what happens uh, in the real life trainings? Um, there are usually martial art demonstrations and trainings meditation. Uh, my old Jedi master, Angelus, um, is a practicing Peruvian shaman. So he frequently does uh, shamanic journeying for people, which is pretty cool. So there's meditation, there's martial arts, there's discussion and debate. There's, you know, one of those things of like, if you get six Jedi in the room, you're going to have 12 opinions. Uh-huh. For most people is the highlight of being able to just like be in the same room with people who you don't have to explain what this is about to. You know, like mm-hmm. we all get it. We're all here for the same reason. So you get to sort of jump over the like early conversations and just go straight to, you know, what you're doing on your path and what you're struggling with um, and what you find interesting. And it's really delightful. How much of this is an individual path versus something that you do with a group? Because I think you're in California. So I imagine people are pretty spread out there and to have real life interaction with other humans um, who are involved in this might be a little difficult. Or is there a group nearby you? Um, You know, how much of it are you doing on your own versus with others? That's uh, it's a really great question. So like, I'm of the opinion that sort of fundamentally, the path is an individual one. It's one of self exploration and people can support you, you know, and and sort of help you be critical to spot your own blind spots and things like that. But ultimately you have to do the work yourself. Um, you know, it has to be, it has to be something that you understand and changing yourself under your own steam. Um, by being able to have a community to do it with is really delightful. Um, so yeah, you're correct. The California Jedi is, the state is huge. And so we're quite spread out. Um, and there wasn't actually an offline Jedi group until I moved out here and started one. So it's, it's just us. We've got about 14, 15 people, but spread very evenly across the state. So, um, but we try to do meetups as often as possible. Um, We do our own gathering every year. How large is the community online? I would guess somewhere in the thousands. Like if you're really counting every single person who is or or has been doing it recently across all sorts of communities. Um, But in terms of, you know, there's, you know, it's small enough that I know people from around the community through sites, regardless of whether or not we actually train together. You know, like I know like the the names of people who are sort of the regulars, um, but definitely big enough that I'm constantly seeing and meeting new people. I read in a in the Vice article about the documentary, I think it said that there are 70,000 people in Australia who self-identify as Jedis yeah. and 20,000 in Canada. It didn't say in the United States, though, but the numbers could be really high. I, I know. I was surprised by your numbers. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's difficult to tell because the census uh, movement was... I think probably the first time our community had any sort of uh, spotlight on it ever. Um, and I, you know, I suspect a lot of those people wrote Jedi because it was funny or because, you know, that's a more interesting thing to check than, than I'm generally spiritual or I, you know, totally for, for our listeners, since uh, I don't know that we gave that background yet, it was on the U S census and, and it was a particular year that people started reporting themselves as, Jedi's or yeah, what, um, what was that? It was. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the U.S. Census did it, but the U.K. Census and the Australia one and the 
um, there was like a movement that went around the internet saying like, oh, like mark your religion as Jedi on your census. Um, and the, I think so a bunch of just loads and loads and loads of people marked themselves as Jedi. And it was at that point that it sort of spawned this series of articles of are people actually doing a Jedi thing around the world? Like, is this real? Is it a joke? Um, and found our community and we're like, it's real. Um, which, you know, usually the response was well, going back to the actual practice, it sounds like it pulls from a lot of different uh, religions and spiritualities and things like that. Are there what are the elements that are very specifically Jedi? Probably the closest thing you get to straight up Jedi philosophy in terms of it's something that was taken and applied in a way that it was not meant to is um, like the philosophies of Joseph Campbell, um, who wrote a lot about the hero's journey. Um, which, you know, Star Wars is, is tremendously based on. Um, so the idea of being a hero and what the hero needs and what the hero goes through and the purpose of being a hero, um, which is is to, like, sacrifice themselves in some way or another for the greater good of their community, um, is, is a very deeply Jedi trait. You need to go through, you know, your sort of cycle of the hero's journey, your own trials, um, in order to improve yourself and improve what you can do and what you can bring to your community. Um, and then the goal is to bring that back and, and share it with the people who need it. I have a question about the hero's journey <laughs> is that I've, that I've often wondered about because I've actually never I've read some Joseph Campbell, but I've never read like the entire and it, I, is the, I don't know what the book is. That's it, fair. The power of myth is a really heavy the power book. Of myth. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, or I have like hero, with hero a, with a, a thousand, thousand faces. faces. Yeah. yeah. Um, is it expected that people would go on one hero's journey in their life, or is it a process that constantly iterates? I mean, it, in in the sort of idea of the hero's journey, it is a cyclical one, not necessarily with the same hero. But, you know, you, like, you come back, the hero, like, you know, brings this, you know, whether it's, you know, Prometheus and the gift of fire or, you know, like whatever it is, or, or Luke Skywalker in destroying the Death Star and saving the galaxy, you know, like you've brought something back to your community, but that's not the end of the story. Like somebody then needs to take up the mantle and continue to save the galaxy, as it were. The Hero's Journey is a very compelling story. It's like one of the core stories of humanity that we've been telling since, you know, before we have records. Um, but it's also it's also a story and you are we are real people and living <laughs> your life as an archetype is rewarding, but also can be dangerous. Sure. You know, to hold yourself to a standard that isn't real. I 100% feel that in terms of like, what is your purpose? <laughs> that yeah. I, it's really hard. It's, you know, how can you possibly identify one thing? And I think you're really lucky as a human if you're able to identify, hone in on that one thing. And you're probably extremely effective in your life. <laughs> but I think for yeah. most people, you have more than one. So, yeah. How do you Definitely. negotiate yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, even, even on a really like mundane, minuscule level, like I like this year, I was like, I'm going to get a new job. That is my goal for the year. And I'm going to get a new job by June. Um, and I worked really hard and I got a new job by February. <laughs> and I yeah. told a friend this and they were like, well, I guess you have to have a new goal now. And I like freaked out because I was like, oh, shit, I really I need a new goal now. What am I going to do with the rest of my year? Yeah. I've already completed the thing I said I was going to do. Um, <laughs> Go on know, vacation. It was good because it I mean, well, there is that. But but they're also, uh, you know, it, it prompted some poking around in my brain of like, OK, like, that was good and productive and needed, but like, what are the the harder, like less straightforward things that you should be working on? Um, mm -hmm. And 
prompted some more growth or in process growth anyway. Yeah. So I know you talked about community service. How else does this hero's journey idea influence Jediism and your day-to-day life? I mean, in terms of my day-to-day life, it very much is being a Jedi holds me to a certain standard that it would be really easy to not otherwise because it's work. Actually, it's it's really funny. My my husband is extremely supportive and, you know, like likes this thing. He's not a Jedi, but he digs it and sees what it does for me. Um, so he'll actually remind me, like, if I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. And he's like, but Katie, like a, a Jedi, like keeps to her commitments. And you did say you were going to do the dishes tonight. And I'm just, oh, that's motherfucker. so funny. You know, like, wow. <laughs> makes how convenient. He's, he's <laughs> but he's right. And he's like... That's exactly what I should be telling myself in my brain. So I'm like, okay, yeah, you're right. It sounds like a lot of this is like an individual basis, but I was just wondering. Just- it is, but I mean, there are definitely things that are shared across. Um, my uh, my friend Opie has a sort of system that's like, okay, there are like five areas in your life that you should be working towards wellness. So that's physical wellness, which, you know, is is fitness, but it means, you know, whatever is physical wellness for you personally, you know, like if, if you've got different health concerns, like your physical fitness is going to look different than mine, which is going to look different than somebody else's. Um, then there's social wellness, which is maintaining and, you know, your relationships in a way that's, you know, nurturing and healthy. There's emotional wellness, um, which is the complicated one. Um, but, you know, taking care of yourself emotionally, making sure you understand your own mental landscape, um, dealing with trauma, both in yourself and others. Let's see, which other ones? Mental wellness, which is learning, always, always learning. Um, I read constantly because I love it, but also it's always very good motivation of like, oh, well, it's this is good for my brain and it's a Jedi thing. I can totally continue to read this book and not feel bad about it. But uh, And then there's spiritual wellness, um, which manifests differently depending on the Jedi. So I want to know, what did your parents say when you were like, I'm not a Catholic anymore, I'm a Jedi? I think they were... I think they were pretty entertained in to a certain degree, you know, like I've always been a weird nerdy kid, so they weren't surprised at all. They were like, I don't know what that means, but cool. Um, you know, they, they are Catholic, but they've always been very, very chill and liberal. Like I, I didn't know the church's stance on homosexuality until I was 13 because we just like, didn't talk about like, that wasn't how it was in our house. So we weren't going to talk about that part of, church doctrine. Um, cause my parents were like, yeah, well it sucks. So it's not relevant. Um, so when I sort of decided that Catholicism wasn't for me, um, you know, they were like, well, you're still going to go to church with us on Sundays, but like, yeah, you can think and do what you want. Um, which was lovely. And you know, they've actually been really supportive. They like, I think, I don't know if they entirely get it, but they like ask from time to time, like, oh, are you still doing your Jedi thing? Like what's up with that? And which I think is really lovely actually. That's great. So I also wanted to ask, uh, how, does fandom and role-playing come into this? I imagine it does for some people, or is it kept pretty separate? No, it definitely, the, the lines get blurred. There are a lot of people that end up in the Jedi area because of fandom and role-playing, um, you know. And I think, I mean, we're already basing our this, you know, like what we do on a, a fictional manifestation of an archetype. So, like you know, we continue to take inspiration from fiction. Um, and I think role play can be a cool tool to learn more about yourself. Um, you know, like there are star Wars video games that like put you through different, you know, like moral con- like quandaries as the, like as a fictional Jedi in the video game. And I think that's actually excellent training. Um, but 
I like to sort of keep a line between the two. There are Jedi who, you know, like outside of like conventions or charity stuff, which is cool and legit, you know, dress up as Jedi and sort of like live their lives in robes and things like that. Um, and that's totally their prerogative. And I have no desire to, to badmouth anybody. But for me, that would interfere with my ability to be a good Jedi. Of If I'm dressed up in robes, wandering around the world, people are going to look at me sideways and that will undermine my ability to like do what's needed and help and interact with them. What about the knighthood aspect of it or what is, is there some sort of hierarchy or do you work your way to be a knight? What is it about that? Yeah. How do you get there? Why is it important? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's definitely a thing from the Star Wars mythology that the community is really uh, tied to um, this idea of, you know, you, you train as a Padawan and then you sort of go through this rite of passage and become a knight. It's like by far the most common goal for people in the Jedi community of I'm going to be a knight, like I'm going to train to be a knight. Um, and part of it is, you know, like uh, being a knight is a leadership role. Um, it's also a mentorship role. Knights usually teach. We as Americans don't have very many rites of passage and we have almost none that are based on, on like internal growth, like being judged by your peers, like high school or college graduation is the closest, but those aren't, you know, spiritual events. So I think it sort of fills that need for like, I worked on myself and I've like, like taken on this new mantle of responsibility and been judged worthy of my peers of it. So it's, it's compelling and very important, um, to a lot of people in the community. Um, yeah. And, and knights usually take up leadership roles. There is hypothetically a master role that's like above that, that some organizations have. Um, I personally don't really believe in them. I think it's not a useful tool. And also I don't have any interest in somebody calling me master in a Jedi context. That's weird <laughs> to me personally. I would be uncomfortable. <laughs> um, so, All right. Now there's something huge we haven't talked about yet that obviously we have to get into the force. Yes. So what role does the force play in the real world Jedi? Um, a nebulous, but crucial one because there are so many different Jedi with different opinions on spirituality. There are, Jedi who are also Christians. There are Jedi who are atheists. There are Jedi who are sort of just, you know, woo a little bit, um, <laughs> you know, like new agey. Um, and so I was wondering what woo was. Yeah, okay. no, like, like as in woo woo, you know, but um, I'm, definitely, I'm definitely, I'm definitely in that, that alignment of, you know, slightly. Me too, don't I worry. Was not slightly, slightly, slightly new agey, you know, I, 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 I use the term fondly, um, but uh, <laughs> People have a lot of different opinions about the Force, obviously, um, but usually we all sort of settle on on what Yoda says about it, where it's, you know, it's in all living things and it, it flows through the universe and binds the galaxy together like it is. I mean, if, if you're more, you know, science and space inclined, like maybe it is like the energy of matter of like, you know, like matter and energy are the same thing and they flow through the universe. And so everything is sort of connected, you know, the, the whole... Um, Carl saying quote of, you know, we are all stardust that, you know, atoms in our bodies have come from dying stars light years away. Um, so this sort of idea of energetic interconnectedness all the way to something that's a little bit more personified, you know, some people definitely say, oh, the force is God um, or, you know, oh, the force is just sort of this energy that maybe we can manipulate or, or you know, utilize for our benefits or the benefits of other people um, in terms of, you know, things like energy healing and stuff like that. Most of us agree that there's sort of a coherent 
energy that is, is somehow spiritually important to us. I love that. But um, do you believe in the midi-chlorian? Uh, uh, I, no, I do not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I had I to think, ask think, that part. No, that is completely legit. Um, it's a... I mean, most most Jedi are Star Wars fans, and Star Wars fans almost universally get a sort of annoyed, scrunchy face when midichlorians come up. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I think but what what you were saying goes along with a lot of loose and a lot of spirituality stuff about like Mother Nature, and mm-hmm. I I actually believe very much in luck. <laughs> in luck? Yeah, I believe in luck. Yep. Well, as, as like as a force. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel like uh, sometimes I just feel like everything's like working out. I don't know, and sometimes it's not. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really intelligent statement oh. I just made. But I think that luck is something that like sometimes you have in your pocket and sometimes you don't. But people talk about like the power of positive thoughts and like envisioning well, yeah. what you want to have happen. And well, yeah. my version that? of that is, is like love. Yeah, like that's what? the thing that flows through oh, all God. things. I, just, I know. I just vomited everywhere. No, that is my force. So Wait, um, I'll put that out there. All right. Well, uh, I feel pretty good. Great interview this was. yeah all right well is there anything else you want to throw in there katie yeah anything you want to learn our listeners to know about jediism i don't know i mean it's uh it sounds really silly on the outside and definitely you've got to you know have a sense of humor about it you know we are grown adults calling ourselves jedi um you know to take that super ultra seriously is is a little ridiculous to me i'm not healthy but but I don't know. I mean, just because something is rooted in in fiction, like something explicitly fictional, doesn't mean it doesn't have power. I think it has such tremendous power to help us look at the human condition and and ourselves and figure out who we want to be as people. I appreciate getting to talk about it because it's something definitely important to me. Um, And it's easy to sort of brush aside as, as, you know, something ridiculous. Well, thank you, Katie. It was a pleasure to speak with you and... May the force be with you. May the force be with you, too. So. I I was actually, I have to say, I was really shocked by how small the numbers were. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Like when she said 30 and then paused and I was like 30,000. Yeah. Well, but it was just 30. That was that was the most shocking thing to me. I wonder. It does sound like it's a very rigorous thing to be a part of. That's really commit yourself to doing this like in real life with other people. Oh, did we not ask how many people were Jedi versus how many people were like Padawans? Should we have asked oh. that? But we asked like how many people were at that conference and it was like 15. Right. I mean, there's like 10 million bronies. So I thought there were going to be like 10 million Jedi. <laughs> I have a really embarrassing question. That what? I'm going to ask you right now, but okay. I would, Katie, I would have been too embarrassed to ask you this. What Jedi is a knight, right? I was thinking yeah. Jedi was like the overarching, and within it, it was Padawans and knights. But no, you are a Padawan. You be- then you become a Jedi knight. Yeah, got is that it. Correct, Matthew. That's a yeah. good question. Um, I think yeah, so. I, I, I think, I think that is right. I don't like. Know I don't that... think it's like Padawan Jedi knight. Like you're a Jedi knight. Correct. Think, yeah. Okay. When you Padawan are a is Jedi, when you're in training. You in training are... to be a Jedi. <sighs> we we should look this up because. I don't know that Yoda would call him... Yoda is a Jedi. Uh-huh. I don't know that Yoda is ever referred to as a Jedi Knight. The Jedi Knights are more like militarized oh, Jedi. Oh, wait. Was, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I think you're so right. So the Jedi is the umbrella, the teaching, the philosophy. And if you are a trainee, you're a Padawan. If you 
are a Jedi. You are a, you are a Jedi master. Mm-hmm. Yoda's a master. Right. Yeah. But the knights are more. Uh, Obi Wan was a knight, maybe. Wait, mm-hmm. does it go Jedi knight and then Jedi master? Uh, so that's, that's why Yoda's not like. referred to as a knight because he's a master. I think that's. I think that was, but yeah. it may not be a direct line. It might be like I want to fight or I want to teach. Yes. And there's different branches. Again, we're gonna look Unclear. this up. No, but right. Yoda fucking does Yoda his fights. lightsaber. Sure, that's true. But I, yeah, I don't remember that he's referred to as a knight. Well, we failed this interview. <laughs> what did we learn? <laughs> well, it reminded me a little bit of our um, Raelian interview, except for because it's like it sounded so crazy, and then when we were doing it, it felt uh, pretty normal. Entirely Although Raelian logical. went a little off the walls when there was no evolution. That that went yeah, a little. That I went agree. a little. When we oh, next evolution, we were like, nope. Yeah, <laughs> but this felt very. Uh, normal and lovely. Yeah. It was. I mean, it took. It pulled from a lot of different things. Right. I mean, call it a religion if that's what you want to call it. But I like that she called it a template uh, for how to live your life. And I think you know we can all. That's helpful to anyone. It's almost a little sad that like people regard it as silly because it's a Jedi, and I get that. Yeah. Because actually, it's just taking these like very nice principles. So it'd actually be kind of nice if it took off a little more. I mean, if Scientology took off, why can't this? That's from, wasn't that from a science fiction book? Yeah. 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 Well, that, <laughs> That's I, like based I was, in trickery. <laughs> struck, I was struck by the same thing. She said that people laugh at Jedis because their philosophy is rooted in fiction. And, and I was like, have you, met, have you met the Bible? <laughs> like, yeah, and this actually, I would say, is the least rooted in fiction. Right. right. Because also it's kind of interesting, like the uh, the screenwriters and authors of the books, like they were envisioning this very um, pure and good philosophy. So it actually, I don't know, it made a lot of sense. Okay, another dumb question. Are, was the movie based on There are no books? stupid questions, only stupid people. All right, thank Just you, Just kidding. Allie. That's sure. a South Park quote. quote. That wasn't me. <laughs> Are there were there books that the movies were based on originally? Yeah. Okay. Got no. it. No. No. Nope. Wait. The movies came first. Yep. George Lucas wrote the movie, made the movie, and then many books were written. And I'm actually bothered by this because wait, I totally thought the books were first. No. No. Um, when the world started taking shape, it was a whole universe, and so they contracted many authors to write Star Wars books, and then at some point, because there's canon, right? There's so correct. many books that are not movies, right? But there's some material that exists that is canon where it aligns with the movies mm-hmm. and a lot of the books do not which then at some point they classified the books as extended universe which is like Han Solo goes on the adventures and George like Lucas and co says nope that never happened in the universe of the movies uh-huh. it is an alternate reality called the extended universe it is not canon. But did he sign off on the extended universe? I think, yes. These yeah. were all official Star Wars oh, okay. things. They Got were it. not fan fiction. Yeah. They were legit sci-fi authors writing yeah. legit Star Wars books. And I, and I don't remember when, but they said, nope, that is not part of the movie universe mm-hmm. because they just, because they wanted to make all these other movies, I mm-hmm. guess. Or uh, Well, I guess what I'm saying is like all these writers, since they weren't writing for it to be a religion, they're writing from this idea of like good versus evil and what is good. So it, it, it's mm-hmm. fairly logical that you would... Then say, oh, these are like that. When she said the the, the code, what was the code? The Jedi code. The yeah. Jedi code. Mm-hmm. That was like really lovely. It is yeah. really lovely. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. I Were the Scientology books, I, I, I'm not equating this to Scientology in any way, but were those originally written to be religious books? My understanding of Scientology is that it was a lot of self-help things, like yeah. measuring the That's thetans in your body and then trying yeah. to purge them. And mm-hmm. simultaneously, Hubbard was also fascinated with sci-fi and wrote a lot of sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, 
the self-helpy religion stuff got intermingled with the like aliens are you know creating well, wasn't bombs. there some kind of test where he had some theory about how religions and cults are created and then he yeah did. i think he was very analytical about how does this stuff work let me try to make a religion and right. it and worked did. pretty darn well yeah. right right i was curious too if there's anything about the fact that it's a movie really i mean the books do exist but the fact that it's a movie that maybe the, that's why people wouldn't take it as seriously for some reason mm-hmm. or I don't know just viewed it differently than if it had like been a piece of literature or something first yeah. well there are no <laughs> other, there are no other religions quote unquote that are rooted in modern fiction so it, mm-hmm. I think it's an outlier in that regard philosophically I think it's no different than Buddhism or or right. Christianity they're right. both rooted in texts yeah in this case it's just Hollywood writers in the 70s, and in the Bible's <laughs> case, it's scribes and scholars from right. But the, what's interesting the is like in the funny <laughs> <laughs> about it is that Hollywood writers in the 70s are actually writing more for our world yes, than of the other texts. Of so course, it's kind of sure. interesting. Exactly. Yeah. Also, I, I read Under the Banner of Heaven, which is all about Mormonism, and that oh. shit was crazy. Mm. Not to insult any of our Mormon listeners, but because uh, uh, Jewish ancient texts are crazy too. But I was like, kind of, wait, he like had a magic rock and deciphered these texts with a bucket on his head? That's a good analogy because it's <laughs> like, fa- it's fairly modern. Mormonism yeah, was in the modern. <laughs> late 1800s. Like we had, didn't we have cameras? At the time? I don't remember if it's early 20th or, or late 19th century, but like that's very modern by yeah. religious standards. Yeah. So to invent a religion that late in civilization it's is like really Whoa. popular considering yeah. how late it was created. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> you just got really your voice got very like mm, like um mm-hmm. like we're broadcasting. <laughs> we're broadcasting. Welcome Hi. back to NPR. Yeah, it's a very NPR sort of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a. <laughs> we haven't talked about schwamping in a while. We haven't talked about schwamping. We gotta bring that back. Yeah, it'll never go away. Oh, the <laughs> listeners are like so alienated right now. Anyway, so yeah, Jedi. Yeah, I was like, that's cool. Mindfulness, trying to help the world. Fitness, <laughs> you can't really complain about that. Social wellness. I like all oh, of it. I thought the fitness aspect was interesting about how there were certain physical trials as well, because that's very Star Wars, but also is interesting in the sense it makes a lot of sense. The idea that you should be like almost required to keep your body in good physical shape. That's a great idea. Sure. I love what she said about there are no rites of passage in like U.S. culture, Western culture. And there are a few, bar mitzvah, quinceanero, sweet 16, graduation she mentioned, but you don't have to do anything. You just have to live till your 13th birth. I guess you have to read the Torah in- uh, Right, but it's that, that, exactly, the Torah, reading, reading, especially for Americans, most of them are reading gibberish, essentially. You're reading a foreign language (laughs) that you don't understand. You're memorizing gibberish. So like it's this Eastern martial arts philosophy of you must graduate to black belt to become a karate master or whatever. You must achieve the XYZ goal at any age to Mm -hmm. become a Jedi knight or master. And that is like, whoa, we don't have anything like that. We don't. because yeah, most that of our most of our it's a passage I feel like don't require self examination yeah. too that you just kind of want to get there you go through it and you're like okay I did well, the I thing. Well, I have a rant right. about that in general, which yeah. Jen knows, which is like we make such a huge deal out of weddings, and I understand it's a major major thing and decision, and I think who you choose as your life partner is like possibly the biggest decision you can make and affects everything. So I think it's huge. But the idea that it needs this like huge party where you're the center of attention, everything revolves around you, like that doesn't make any sense. And then meanwhile, like. My friend got a PhD, studied for seven years, <laughs> and like, you know, we went out for drinks. And I'm like, that's when we should have a fucking party. Sure. Like, right. you just worked for seven years right. yeah. to better yourself and possibly the world. And we like, don't really make a big deal of it. So it's these rights. I don't know. I, I have 
I have a rant about Western culture and the things that we choose to celebrate. Totally agree with you, but I think the piece that is missing there, which take it or leave it, but it's a party about the families. It's about like two families raised. If that were true, I'd agree with you, but I feel like that's not what weddings are anymore. I agree. It is, I think historically for probably 6,000 years, that's what weddings have been. So we still carry that through. Two families raised a child to adulthood and now the families are joining. That is a monumentous thing in culture. But today it's like, Let's get a DJ and dance and have cake, and that's different from right. What it and today used it's to like, be. here's my registry, here's all the things right. I want. You have to come to get my bachelorette stuff. party and my and pay for all these flights and drop all this money. You know what I mean? But yep. I agree with you that the um, historically it made a lot more sense. Also because it, well, you did do this, but historically <laughs> everyone got married at eighteen, so it was also like <laughs> it was also like you were in your family's home, and now you're building a new home. Yes. So also even the gift giving made a lot more sense because it was yes. like now you have a new home and we need to help the community helps you furnish it. Yeah. Whereas right. now it's like people where it's like you guys already have everything you need and you have already won because you have found each other. Yes and yes. I would say I think if you look at statistics while it is changing I think most people are still getting married at a time when they're probably just starting their careers or they don't have a lot of stuff. They're probably not living together. I'm saying across the whole country across the whole world. Yeah, I guess we I'm live in a weird New York Coast. bubble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so but yeah, I fully like agree everyone I know has already been living together already has an exactly, apartment that has exactly. everything and yep. I'm like I'm just I'm just paying for you to get nicer things. That's what I'm doing. Yes. Yeah. I guess guys just reflecting but, on my own yeah, yeah mm-hmm. my own experience. I haven't felt too much when I've gone through rites of passage. And I don't know if you feel the same way. Like when I graduated from high school or college, it should have been a really exciting moment. I feel like a changed person and I didn't feel changed. Yeah. But it's oh, it's been different experiences that have been driven by like more self-examination mm-hmm. or like a, a personal tribulation or getting a PhD, which is highly personal. I would right. imagine well, to that but person. Sometimes you don't feel different, but like graduating from college, you have worked very hard to get there. Yeah, I'm not saying yes, it's not no. a rite of passage, but I'm just one. Like, I <laughs> Fair, some people don't work at all. They just party. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I did work hard but i didn't feel too much i think i was so ready to move on from that at that that's so i think that I think it's you hit probably it on the just a very personal no experience. i think a majority yeah. of people don't know what to feel or what to do so it's a very blah experience and it's also very formulaic it's impersonal i think if people tell you you're supposed to feel like you've gone through a rite of passage sure. that kind of kills it a lot of the time <laughs> speaking so. of the impersonal element and i'm sorry to bring it back to weddings but interestingly the best weddings i've been to have been gay weddings and mm. i think why my theory why is because they have not been beholden to these traditions that are very yeah, impersonal. Yeah. So the gay weddings I've been to have actually really felt that they were about these two people coming together and totally. and and just like about the two of them and their personalities. And so those were were actually really lovely. Not that the other weddings weren't, but um, but anyway. But yes, I just it would be interesting if there were milestones in your adult life that we all, you know what I mean, like. Celebration yeah. of physical fitness and right. Let's create our own well, personal I, I, rites of passage. I wonder if that's some a part of why people are so into marathons because they really train yeah. with this group. There's a big community. Mm-hmm. They have this major accomplishment. They get to celebrate together. I'm gonna start running. <laughs> I'm probably not gonna start running. Well, I will say I know in Joseph Campbell that whole heroes thing. You yeah. feel called to adventure. I know that's the mm-hmm. first part of it. So I, I think if you feel called to run, you should run. I feel a call to adventure for sure. You you feel it often. I do. You have like little hero journeys every day, I think. <laughs> Thank you. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. Just getting on the subway is an achievement. I Can think. we also talk about how the female form of hero is heroin? 
Let's just say that is weird. <laughs> I agree. It's kind of fun. Oh, oh I, have a, I have a question for you guys. Yes. Maybe, maybe you'll agree. I, I, I want to banish all feminine forms of profession, meaning we don't call a female lawyer a lawyeress. Why do we call a waiter, a female waiter, a waitress? Why do we call a female actor an actress? Right. I hate. That. I just have no preference. But I remember I was in a play once, and and she, this woman, one of the castmates, was like, she was very into this. She was like, "Don't don't call me an actress. I'm an actor." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Who cares?" And she was like, "Suffix s means less." And what I should have said, what I should have said to her is, "It also could mean success." <laughs> like I don't know why you've decided that. Like. I don't but I'm know. Saying I understand are... that words are powerful, but I also feel like we're really overthinking it sometimes. See, I, we, call me whatever the fuck you want. I'm cu- <laughs> I'm surprised you think that. Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah, really? Why? Just because I don't know. You generally are like you have a very strong feminist stance, and I think like this is a pretty clear like they, those words just shouldn't exist. <laughs> because I'm I'm the king of like we're overthinking it. We're going I too far with PC culture. I guess the reason culture. why <laughs> and it I'm very adamant on this one is that yeah. English is less gendered than like most languages. That's yeah. true. So I think that's why I'm like, eh. But it bothers me like philosophically. Because like, I'm so fluent in so many languages, guys. I'm I'm not. That was a joke. Actually, <laughs> if there was a genderized version for every single profession, doctor and doctor, if it was across the board. Podcast trust. Pod, podcast hostress. Right, and in other languages, hostess, it's across the board. So I see what you're saying. Which it doesn't is fine. Make sense. But, so, but we only use feminine pronoun, uh, not pronouns. We only use feminine professional words for stereotypically feminine jobs. Ooh, I had a That's my point. Really good Waitresses, actresses, yeah. hostesses, mm-hmm. but not for doctors and lawyers. Yeah, You're a lawyer. Right. That's interesting. That's my point. Ah, uh, okay, I'm on board. You're on board. Yep. Yes. All right. <laughs> I'm convinced. Yeah, cuz there's no there's no, the, who's to say that actor is male when That's when lawyer is Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We gotta we gotta change the Oscars because then it's gonna be it should just be best male actor or best female actor or just fuck it best actor, best actor. Any, yeah, of best. any gender and just do the genre the of the film maybe because like what if you ha- I mean look this is getting a little too out there but like you're gonna have a not a transgender but a, a what a I know then do you have like a new category you know non binary non binary best non binary actor yeah right. no it should just be best <laughs> actor and it's any human right. I'm on board. I'm convinced. Yeah, yeah. me too. Um, All right, guys. We want to hear what you think about uh, the Jedi way of life. Anything in particular you want to know? Yeah, you know what I want? I want our Twitter uh, followers to set some physical and emotional challenges for us. I really oh, for do. for us? I thought you were going to say us. for themselves. And well, for themselves. And for yourselves. What is throw, the rite of passage you want to go through? Yeah. I want to I wanna see. All Maybe right. we'll try them and report back. Sounds good. All right, so you can tweet at us at June Bugger. I'm at Allie Gold. You can email us at 2G1podcast at gmail.com, or you can call us. That number is 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. And you can also join us in our Discord chat room, where we are just having so much fun. I don't know why I said it like that, but it is fun. I'm not like that was Yoda. That was Yoda. That was Yoda. Discord.gg slash 2G1P. Ali, what else can I do? You can also contribute to our Patreon, which would be wonderful. Patreon.com slash 2G1P. You might be like, wah, wah, why would I do that? But it really helps us eat. Um, so <laughs> I need help. No, but the way uh, a lot of people are familiar with Kickstarter, so the difference with Patreon is that you pledge and it... It, it, your pledge happens every month but you can pledge as little as one dollar and every do- every month you get charged your dollar and it's beautiful so patreon.com slash 2g1p 
It's We're beautiful. No. Let's, um, let's all become Jedi. All right. I'm let's in. say it at the same time. May the force, force be with, with you. you. I didn't know what you were going to say. I know, she's looking at me I'm like, what's happening? May the force be May with you. May the force you. be with you. The Girls One Podcast is hosted by Jennifer Damula and Allison Goldberg and mashed in an imperial garbage compactor. Oh, I mean, edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Production assistance is provided by thepodglomerate.com. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. Be sure to get at us in the exclusive 2G1P Discord server, discord.gg slash 2G1P, and consider supporting 2G1P on Patreon at patreon.com slash 2G1P. Even a small contribution can help to make this shady fly-by-night operation into a reasonably passable fly-by-night operation. Great news! You can listen to new episodes of Two Girls, One Podcast one week early. What is this sorcery? Just download the free TuneIn app and fire up Two Two Girls, Girls, One Podcast to get fresh episodes one week before your loser friends. (laughs) Your friends are so lame for being one week behind. I know, right? Wait, what's the catch? There's no catch. Tune in lets you listen to awesome podcasts. Like ours. One week before anywhere else. Absolutely free. Whoa, dude. The next episode of the show is probably already there. Yo, this is some freaky time traveling shit. I'm going to listen to next week's show so I can find out what we're going to say. Technology is weird. The Podglomerate. A sonic universe. I simply want to come to your place when you're... (laughs) It's going to take a while, I'm sorry.